from 809 Restaurant and Lounge here in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, dancers, and artists of all stripes that live here in what we affectionately call upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we are turning the spotlight on actor and dancer Jimena Saldana. Jimena is a multifaceted artist from Peru, where she appeared in a number of dramatic and musical theater roles. She's danced with the Balmier Latin Dance Company throughout the United States, and in 2015, she was crowned National Salsa Champion of Peru, soloist category, I believe. Isn't that right? That's correct. One of her many salsa accolades also includes a third-place soloist at the World Salsa Summit. Also very proud of her for that. Uh, Here in New York City, uh, she is the co-founder and artistic director of Rumba Mina, a professional dance company that celebrates and honors Latin rhythms and values such as joy, freedom, empathy, and resilience. We'll talk to her about that and so much more. But first, Jimena, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so ultra excited. We are entering the fifth month of the novel coronavirus pandemic here in New York City. Um, Jimena and I are both very happy to actually get up and get dressed for something other than our pajamas today, for something absolutely. nice. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely excited about that. Businesses are gradually reopening in limited capacities, but much of the entertainment industry, of course, remains dormant. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But first, Jimena, how are you doing? How's everything going? Oh, everything is like a multicolor of everything. One day I'm super sad and sensitive and emotional. And the other day I'm super productive, focused, determined. And then the other day I have a big to-do list and I do nothing of that. And I got to just chat with my girls. Well, and that's then- great that your girls are checking in with you because they're part of Ruma Mena. Yes. Um, so we'll start talking about that because... Mm-hmm. One of the values of Umamina, which we just spoke about, is resilience. Yes. And you're checking in with your girls who are, some of them here in New York City, Mm -hmm. some of them are quarantined with their families, Mm -hmm. taking care of them because they have people that are possibly uh, susceptible at Mm -hmm. risk. Yeah. So resilience is especially important right now and particularly the last few months. So does dance have something to teach us about how to live through this pandemic? It's been critical. I think more than anything, the sisterhood that we have built over our time together has kept us strong. Checking in with each other and understanding that as artists, as creative minds, all of these being indoors is being super traumatic, I would say. Not only shocking, it's been traumatic. Going from being outside 24 hours from one rehearsal to other, being overstimulated, meeting people, creating, learning new dances, then suddenly having it all shut down and being indoors just with your thoughts definitely affected lots. We've been handling lots of Zoom meetings, spending probably over an hour just giving the chance to everyone talk. Many dancers got injured, you know, uh, trying to stay in shape at home. And I think also when your body is used to be on high demands of stress, you usually don't get sick. Then everyone started getting sick, I think, out of the depression or the anxiety. So definitely it's been really tough. I'm not going to deny that. Being understanding with each other and being non-judgmental and open to listen and open to be there to show up for each other, I think it's been the most touching gesture of compassion that we have had 
And then in the face of reopening and going back to perform in Long Island outdoors, which was incredibly scary, uh, was a whole mix of feelings. When did you do that? That was uh, the last weekend of June when the, in Long Island they reopened phase three. Uh, they had outdoor dining and they called us back because the people were asking, where are the girls? That was super sweet. And we basically went out to perform because there was a strong craving of our nostalgia for the stage, for like having human interaction. We had to modify our choreographies to be able to play with the space and keep the distance from the people so we can all remain safe, you know, handle new props and accessories, the whole process of packing the costumes and keeping them like safe sanitized. It's been a huge element to keep everyone safe, make sure that everyone is tested, even like apply makeup, you know, we use our hands. So that became a thing. But the joy to like be back on performance and how to reinvent ourselves and our repertory. So, and put a message also of even though things are reopening, how to still remind ourselves that we need to be mindful. You know, we have one number where the girls touch our hands to do like a kick line. And we have implemented a pause in the music. We stop, we put our hand sanitizer on the hands, right? (laughs) Then we're like, okay, now we're good to go. And the music resumes and we touch our hands just to give a message of like, you know, I know you're having fun, having dinner, being off the mask, but remember, still be careful, wash your hands often, you know, if you're going to be no six feet distance, keep your mask on, stuff like that. It's great that you incorporate that because dancers' bodies are their instruments, and uh, the fact that you're taking the time to actually incorporate social commentary, so to speak, of course, you're taking care of yourselves, but the fact that we are all in this together, one thing we've learned through this global pandemic, it is global. We have to take care of each other. And so the things that you do affect me and vice versa. And I think that's really great that you made a moment in that specific case to uh, teach the audience saying, yeah, let's not forget, here we are, we're dancers, you're here, we're together, let's take care of each other. Yeah, I mean, it, it came from a rehearsal moment. We were like about to touch and we were like, we're not touching each other. <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed because it was a thing, you know, like We're there's a little, yeah. And it was like, right, I, I'm not touching you. And then when the song finishes, like, you know, we should have this incorporated into the show because it's funny. And sometimes people, you can read stuff, you can watch advertisement, but if you put it through comedy, it's like the message just goes directly and people want to joke about it. And probably they will sanitize their hands more often, hopefully. Going back a bit, you grew up in Peru. And you danced and performed throughout the country and everything from The Wizard of Oz to Hamlet. I don't know how you danced in Hamlet, but apparently you did, huh? No, we didn't dance in Hamlet. (laughs) But uh, So now here you are in northern Manhattan, which is not next door to Peru. So how did that happen? How did Inwood, Washington Heights become the home to you? Well, I think the mind has a lot of power. I was traveling since 2009 for Salsa Championships. And festivals to the U.S. And those were mainly in Miami, Orlando, Florida, right? And I had a friend that had a friend in New York. And, you, you know, every dancer, every artist wants to be and experience New York sometime in their lives. 
And since I was, you know, a little girl when I was six and I started dancing, I was like watching these musical documentaries and I was like, I love this showgirl kind of stuff. Like, I hope one day I can live in New York, you know? And I remember I was doing letters to my grandma in heaven. I would used to like draw these highlights and buildings with lights and stuff. I was like, probably she's near God, so she will tell God to help me. <laughs> six-year-old. It's great to have someone who has a direct line. Really I was like, yeah, right, in my six-year-old mind. <laughs> Anyways, year passed by, and when I'm coming to the U.S., my friend is like, Simena, our flight is not until one week later. The championship is over. Let's take a... Uh, a cheap ticket to to New York. And I was like, well, I don't know. No one in New York. It's February. They're like in the middle of a snowstorm. Like, you know, I was like, what if we miss our flight back? He's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It was $90. I was like, okay, let's do it. So we came to New York. We stayed at his friend's house. And effectively, there was a snowstorm. So our flight to go back to Miami was canceled. And we lost our flight to go back to Lima. But life works in magical ways. So there was a salsa promoter and he's like, oh, are you still here? I was like, yes. Oh, do you want to perform in my event? I was like, sure. And I was not even expecting to get paid because I was like, this is the opportunity of my life to perform my solo. And they paid me by the end of the show. I was so grateful. And then we, we went back and I kind of had the feeling that I needed to come back to New York. So I returned every summer in 2014 and 15. And then for some reason, people thought I was living here. I don't know why. And then I started being called and booked for my solos performances. In 2015, December, I became national salsa champion in Peru. So I had to come back to the U.S. to fight for the world title. And there were two world championships. It was one in December and then one in the beginning of February. So the producer asked me, do you want to like go back, spend the holidays at home or you want to stay in the U.S.? And I was like, I want to stay here. I want to train because if I have like another competition right nearby, I just want to train, you know? It's like, okay. So I stayed. And then within my time here in the winter, I applied for like musical theater workshops, dance education programs and stuff like that. And then eventually one thing led to the other. I ended up being hired for a Latin dance company in Brooklyn. And the rest is history. I decided to give my, you know, my vote for New York. It's also something so close to my heart. And I haven't regret any second of it. Well, we're glad you're here. We don't regret having you here either. <laughs> we're glad you made the, the, the big Thank jump. Thank you. So New York City is just about to enter phase four of lockdown. It really doesn't mean a lot to the arts, unfortunately. Some TV and film production will resume, but it looks like it's going to be a long time before we can actually rely on going to see a live dance performance. So as co-founder and artist director of your own company, uh, what are your thoughts about the future of, of producing uh, and presenting live dance in the coming months? I think we all need to like push through the denial that we are all on, I'm honestly still in denial. Like I want to think that within the next month, we probably will be back, but that's not going to happen. And being in denial is just going to hold us back. I think working with your team and understanding that you are not any longer the only one that needs to do it all, like relying on your dancers, relying on like, okay, ladies, what is comfortable for you? Because not everything is a standard anymore and everyone feels in a very different way 
what is important for one is not necessarily much of a priority for the next one. And then what is really, really not much important here, it's super crucial and critical for the other one. You need to be able to really take the time to listen a lot to your team and understand what are the new needs, what makes you feel uncomfortable, what will make you feel comfortable and safe. Uh, are you healthy today, like mentally, emotionally, physically? What do you need from me? What can I do for you? Open up and be more empathetic than ever. I think it's like the first step, at least for me, because I work with female dancers and we are going through a roll of emotions all the time. That plus understanding, okay, what is our platform going to be, you know, and understanding the pros and the cons. Rumba Mena is going to be one year old. This is our, actually our month anniversary. I was like, well, let's wait. Maybe we can get a venue and do like an outdoor performance and live stream it, you know. But that was so stressful. And I was like, well, let's just do a virtual event. And then I realized, you know, my family from Peru will be able to join. Your fam Because half of my team is also all immigrated from different parts of the world. It's like your family from Italy will be able to watch you perform. You know, hey, you are out in California. You can perform from your home. So getting enthusiastic, I think enthusiasm is going to fuel your motivation and getting enthusiastic with each other about like, oh, all these new possibilities. Take it as a fun challenge to discover things that you are not comfortable with. Zoom. Technical. I don't have a laptop. I have a Chromebook. Oh, the futures are not the same. Damn, I don't have money to buy a new laptop. I can barely pay my rent. I'm not paying my rent because as independent contractors. <laughs> it's a real issue. It's, it's a reality. Staying alive kind of trumps, you know, which is, which is also a huge point right now. Um, I will say first, I want to say there is a silver lining, as you mentioned, which is great. You're able to reach different audiences and also familiar audiences like your family who are at home who can't travel the United States. So there is silver linings just to, and little small blessings to have because of these things. Yet there is an entire new world of technical challenges. And honestly, it's not like sitting across where we are now. It's like, it's so great to see you. And like I remember a year ago when you started your company because for those of you who know uh, her company you've seen them perform at our uh, in what artworks film works fresco a year ago uh, yeah, and, literally, and, and that was and that was in the park and it was a, it was a blast and it breaks my heart that they can't be seen and perform and and also breaks my heart for the audiences that can't just chill out in the park and bring their family and their kids and be exposed to latin dance and all the different things that you bring to them and artists historically aren't and this is going to sound terrible We're not tech people for the most part. Not to say that some artists aren't brilliant as tech people, but for the most part, most artists came into their taxes. <laughs> I hire someone to do the taxes sure. of my company and do my personal taxes because I just get so overwhelmed. And it, it's 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 a not a, it's not a comment on anybody's mental capacity. You're focusing your energies on creating. You're focusing your energies elsewhere where you're wired to be in rehearsal, to vision a new dance step, a new choreography for perhaps an older number. There's a lot of things you can be doing and also hustling and getting that next gig. What people understand, a lot of your time is about hustling and finding the gigs. Um, yes. So I think that it's, it is a challenge and I hate the fact that I think a lot of people are being left behind a little bit because they're not tech savvy 
I mean, from our kids in schools to performing artists. And also the difference in our community. I mean, wealthy families are going to be able to have a phone, a tablet, an iPad, a huge screen to like get their kids watching the class on Zoom. There are families that they can barely afford a computer. If there's one computer in the house, it's out of necessity. And they need to split their time with like the dad got to work from home or the mom got to work from home. Sometimes you know, single mothers and all of that. Most of my students are like kids from single mothers and having to teach over Zoom, what kept me up because I'm not a techie person at all and dealing with the frustration of feeling like, I don't understand this and it takes me time to understand it. I need to read this and read it again and read it again and then translate the words that I don't understand because (laughs) Spanish is my primary language. So it's like, what is this? Oh, it takes you so much time. You almost don't want to do it. And then you realize on the other side of the screen, there's a single mother with a kid struggling as well and having a little chit chat before the class and then having the kid dancing and being happy because she's seeing you and she misses you. And you're like, we are all going through a really, really tough, sensitive time. Not many creative people are great at tech. And there are people that are quick learners and they can handle it right away. And there are people like me that I'm like, I, I get really frustrated. It's like, wait, what? Wait, what? But you're actually growing in other ways, though. Even though you took time to read the instructions for five hours, you've learned something new. You know, it is really challenging. But it leads me to talk to you about your teaching because you can't figure things out doesn't mean you can't learn them, right? So teaching seems to be a very important part of your work as an artist. You're a very inquisitive person to begin with, I feel. So have you always been a teacher? Yeah, I think since I've been in the art, first of all, it's a legacy. I think I've been very blessed and privileged to have great mentorship in my life, in theater, in dance. And I naturally been so passionate of learning in my craft, that immediately when I discover something new that works, that fascinates me, that makes me feel better or more effective in my work, I want to share it. It's like I feel the necessity to like share. And if I see a coworker, a friend, or another student that is struggling with a combination or something, I feel that I might share something that might help them. And I had that since I've been very little. Like I started teaching when I was 14 years old. Teaching is also a great way to connect with others and share not only what's in your heart and what you're passionate about, but also be able to listen and receive. Overall, in New York, receive people with different walks of life and understand how that influences their learning process. It's great to reach out to people and have that mentorship. And the greatest gift you can give someone is knowledge, right? You can yes. kind of pass it on to them, yes. which uh, leads me to one of your projects that I think is it's on your web page. And I wanted to just bring it up and feel free to talk as much or little about it as you want to. It's about the Do It With Love project. Ooh, yes. Ooh. It's a it's a project that fights eating disorders. Yes. And people are always very self-conscious about topics that are somewhat taboo. Mm-hmm. And I think you're incredibly brave to talk about this project. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, Do It With Love. It's a movement that I started in 2017, uh, I myself suffer from eating disorders. I was in ballet school. I was in TV since I was very little. There are so many stereotypes within the roles that you might fit in, either in ballet repertory or 
even TV roles. And when you are there, since you are very little and you are not exposed to a culture of accept yourself, be yourself, that that's something that just came in the last probably 10 or five years, right? This exposure to diversity and appreciating the beauty of it. I felt that the industry wanted me to like always try to fit into something. So there's a lot of harm when you feel that you don't fit into it. When I came to New York, I was already in a very long process of therapy, trying to not necessarily depend or have my thoughts around my food habits or my eating habits or my body image because eating disorders are a mental illness and they need to be treated as that. It's not only, oh, you don't like yourself or you're depressed or you're anxious or you're worrying about your how you look too much. It is a mental illness. Your perception is distortioned. You punish yourself because you feel you are not worth of anything. It is really deep. I was in a recovery process when I was in Peru before moving to New York. When I came, I thought I was an opportunity for me to be out of my depression and I was never going to face that again. And facing loneliness, being away from family, rejection from auditions. And I was not speaking English by then really well. So I felt dumb. I felt stupid, right? I had a huge relapse. And I was like, okay, well, I think my demons Whatever I go, they're going to be with me. So I need to face my inner battle because I don't have access to therapy. I don't have access to insurance. I don't have access to my nutritionist. I don't have the things that I was relying on when I was when I was back home, right? I was like, okay, this is very easy. I came here sacrificing so much. I'm not going to let this bug in my mind hold me back because it's a distraction. You know, you're taking class and you're in front of the mirror with like 20, 30 dances around and you are comparing the shape. You're comparing the lines of, of the legs. You're comparing so much stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's do mental awareness. Where's the behavior of my mind? And then when I took the decision of like, okay, I came here because I have a dream. I want to pursue it in a very determined way. And this is something toxic that I need to get away from. I think the decision and the the determination to be like, this is not going to stop me, help me through. And once I made the decision, the mental change manifests in your life. I booked in the Heights at the moment, which was like a huge thing for me. I was starting to get more jobs. So I was able to actually be able to pay my rent without sacrificing my food, right? And just the love of, of the cast and the acceptance and the appreciation and the admiration of my work, you know, it's like, oh my God, you dance so good. And understanding that your talent and your success is not because of how you look or how others perceive you, but what you have in your heart to bring out. That's when the do it with love came to, because I literally, you know, like every dreamer came here because I love it so much. You know, you compromise so many things and sacrifice things that are so excruciating and part of your core. It has to be that you love it much. It's not that you're looking for other things. It's just a pure relationship of, of love. I said, okay, this is saving me because, I mean, of course, I stop all my toxic habits. I gain like 20 pounds. And I was like, you know, if I get to go through these, even though I don't like myself yet, but I can be healthier, I think we're a huge step forward. And then after that, I did this event and I did a 
nude photo shoot because it was so uncomfortable for me. And I was like, I think I need to step out of my comfort zone. I was dancing Brazilian samba. You know, you need to perform in a bikini. I was like, this is so uncomfortable. I feel <laughs> that everything jiggles in my body. I don't like it. But the joy of the drums and the freedom and the willing to celebrate life was so powerful and impactful to me. That really changed my life. That's why my company has so much so much purpose behind how it impacted me and transformed me into a healthier version and a stronger version of myself. So I did this event. It's actually the only one that I made with Do It With Love, the movement. I bring my friends, which were my first roommates, because they, when I moved from New Jersey, I was sleeping in a couch, right? I had my first roommate situations. They were tango dancers. I arrived, the apartment was empty because they were touring. That's when I had my relapse and they were so loving and caring. They never mentioned it. They never brought it up. They were just trying to care about me. You know, it's like, hey, do you have dinner today? Oh, we cooked this for you today. I couldn't reject it, you know? So it's love, like caring that really saved me. Oh my God, so emotional. So I brought them. I made a whole lineup of performances with people that impacted me. I brought the cast of In the Heights to sing uh, Seasons of Love. And we end up with a Brazilian number and then a narrative showcasing the, the photos of the nude shoot, you know, like different angles of the illness when you feel depraved from being yourself when you feel that you need to feed then the freedom you know then the fighter so many stages and I think in our community overall in my Hispanic community there is so much taboo with it if you have a teenager talking to a mom and I don't want to be rough on moms at all but probably they don't take it as seriously as it is it's like oh you're trying to call attention oh that doesn't exist it's like the same stereotype of like, oh, boys don't cry and boys become men that cannot communicate in their relationships because they never had a platform to express what's going on in their emotional life and becomes a struggle. So all of those things were coming to my mind. I did a lot of data research and Hispanic community is very hit with eating disorders, the LGBT community also. And I was like, wow, there's a lot to do here. And I started that in 2017. Then I went through a very depression time over 2018 due to a relationship. I had to take a break to just recover myself. And then finally my company came. And then hopefully we can have another Do It With Love event anytime soon. But thank you for bringing it up. Sounds like a lot of love to me. You got a lot of love to give. Yeah, that too. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Well, you're not stopping by any means. And I think self-care is a wonderful time. And this is a time to reflect, I think, with so much passion. A lot of words you said before kind of resonate now. Health, passion, love, and of course, resilience. Uh, it's no doubt that all those different words that describe Rumumena emanate from you. The mission comes from your heart, and it's very indicative in your work. And so it's only a matter of time, I think, for it to emerge again. Thank you. Sure thing. So you've had a lot of spare time to think about how to counteract the world that we're in. We talked about, we're not going to go back to rehash anything, but moving forward, what are you working on now for the future? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of uh, projects brainstormed within the company that came out of like the necessity of what do we want to communicate 
now because at the end artists are communicators. It's like, what's the message of this? Um, we're definitely working on storytelling dance music videos just to put a message out there of like, well, you feel this way. I also experienced lost this time. You know, we all have lost or something or someone dear to our hearts and working with music from musicians that are also in the stop. We're working in collaboration with a lot of Hispanic musicians and producers in Florida and Miami. Actually, these years, <laughs> we became World Samba champions this year in the World Salsa Summit. And we had a whole lineup of travels and projects to do. We were going to start traveling to Florida a lot for music videos with singers that are like, you know, also rising star. And of course, with the COVID, they canceled their travels as well. And they started just composing a lot of new material that they sent over. And we we're like, okay, girls, let's come up with a choreography. What do we want to say with this? Now, what we do with this material? Do we want to like shoot it from our homes? We just released one of our repertory numbers, Dancing in Isolation. I set up two, three different looks for each dancer. I shipped the costumes to wherever they were. We dressed up performance-wise. We found a location. We shoot ourselves. And it's a nice edit. Everyone dancing in isolation. We have one more coming about what it means to feel or experience the sense of loss and being lonely and how the sense of community and showing up for each other. It's just basically putting out there in an audiovisual platform, the things that we have been experiencing as a sisterhood. I can't wait to check it all out. <laughs> Thank you. It's taking a lot of time to get each project out, but we're trying to be patient with ourselves too. I hear you loud and clear. Well, there's so much we can't talk about, and yet we've talked about so much today. Uh, what's the best place for listeners to find out more about you and your company? Rumbamena.com. Or go to our Instagram at Rumbamena. We are actively posting and giving updates with the news of what's happening with us. These new videos, dance videos coming up. Who is coming to collaborate with us? We've been doing choreographies and challenges with Cuban musicians dancing like from home worldwide. There's been a lot of silver linings and highlights that have put some light into our creative lifestyle now, right? This new COVID lifestyle. So rumbamena.com is definitely a good spot to go. We just launched our summer intensive. It's a two-week intensive workshop for training for dancers that feel desperate, you know, that we don't have auditions. We're taking classes through the screen and all of that. It's a Latin immersion, full technique for ages between 18-year-old and 22 or up, just to train and challenge and mentorship and network. And hopefully, you know, when things are up again, people from out of town can come to New York and work with the company or, or have a, a scholarship or an internship with us. It's, you know, trying to look the silver linings of everything. Absolutely. And I highly recommend listeners you go do that because you're going to start moving really well after you see what Thank they can do. You. Listeners will have those links up for you on our Inwood Artworks on-air website. 
I want to thank Imena for joining me here today in this Artist Spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, dancers, and artists of all kinds that make their home here in what we affectionately call upstate Manhattan. Be sure to follow us at Inwood Artworks and InwoodArtworks.nyc to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Stay tuned for more episodes for our Artist Spotlight. Thanks so much to 809 Restaurant and Lounge at 112 Dykeman Street here in Inwood, NYC for hosting us. Inwood Artworks is all about supporting local small businesses, and we hope you do too. For Inwood Artworks On Air, this is Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening to this Artist Spotlight edition of In What Artworks On Air. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And stay tuned for more Artist Spotlight and live and local episodes monthly from In What Artworks. In What Artworks On Air is made possible with funds from the Niska Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature.